This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. From hockey to wrestling, football to golf, no sport left unturned. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. Neil, the boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. I'm your host, Walter Rigabon. As usual with me in my in-studio, my co-host, Naz Marchese. Good morning, Naz. How are you? Good, Wally. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. And also joining us in studio this morning, former Toronto Maple Leaf, former Washington Capitol, Lou Franceschetti. Good morning, Lou. How are you this morning? Good morning, morning, sir. Did you forget the the Buffalo Sabres? (laughs) Did you play with Sabres? (laughs) How long were you there? I was there for a couple of years. I got traded from Toronto there to to Buffalo. Okay, so next time I introduce you, I'll I'll remind And given the fact that we have listeners in Western New York, I'm terribly remiss in overlooking that. So I will make sure next time we'll throw any other teams you played for, the Hershey Bears. You want me to throw that in as well? You want to throw Binghamton (laughs) Whalers? You want to throw Baltimore Skipjacks, uh, Port Huron Uh, Flags? Uh, Did you coach in the Colonial League or whatever it was called? I did coach in the Colonial League. uh... Anyways, I don't want to make light. I've... Uh, you know, uh, our listeners, Louie and I are good buddies and we tease each other. But uh, I always come back to the final. Lou had a Lou was a pretty good hockey player and had a uh, a good NHL career. And uh, we're proud of your accomplishments, Lou. And I mean that sincerely. Anyways, uh, tomorrow night, it's the Toronto Raptors, Golden State Warriors. We're up three to one. The city's on edge. And as uh, Give us your thoughts. It's over tomorrow night. <laughs> I like you. Cut, you cut right to the chase, Naz. Uh, it's over As tomorrow Tyler night. Williams would say they're done like dinner. <laughs> Lewis, uh, you know, I, I drove by the place downtown last night, and people are getting lined up. So it, it, it's going to be a special time in this city. Uh, again, the game has to be played, and I'm not going to count uh, Golden State out, especially if Kevin Durant comes back. Uh, I don't think Kevin Durant's coming back, but uh, certainly I don't want to see a Willis-Reed moment in this series. But uh, we've got a lot, of, a lot of Raptor talk this morning, and we want to get right to it. Um, we've got Butch Carter, former Raptors coach. Uh, no, still don't have Butch. We're still working on getting Butch. We've got Leo Routens on in the middle of the hour, and uh, there is another professional sports league with its uh, championship going on in North America right now. It's called the NHL. Uh, doesn't seem to be getting as much press as it usually does in this area, given uh, given the Raptors. And uh, uh, there's there's a great story going on. Jordan Bennington, a Richmond Hill kid, uh, played with the Vaughn Rangers, played with the Vaughn Kings, uh, came up in the middle of the year. Uh, and we're thrilled we're going to be talking to his minor hockey league coach, Mike Velasquez, who coached them from the age of 8 to 15. So we'll be chatting about him and the Jordan Bennington story. So without further ado, former Raptors coach, Butch Carter. Good morning. How are you this morning, Butch? Good morning, guys. How are you doing? We're, uh, we're uh, thrilled. We're nervous. We're anxious. Um, we uh, Tomorrow night, 
may be one of the most significant nights in uh, in Toronto sporting history. We certainly don't want to jinx the Raptors. We don't want to get ahead of ourselves. We're going up against one of the great champions of in in, uh, in NBA history, and Game Four is always the toughest one to close out. Uh, so we certainly don't like getting ahead of ourselves, Butch. But the Raptors, uh, their performance out in Oakland was uh, superb, especially Game Four. Uh, analyze it for us, Butch. Uh, what's going on? Well, I mean. I think this week will, if it's not tomorrow, sometime this week is, uh, you know, the biggest week in Raptor history for them winning one game. Uh, Golden State's task is clearly to win tomorrow to get back to, to Oakland. Um, the Raptors have been extremely professional in their approach. Um, and I've commented on this, on your show a couple times before about the importance of those four people that they acquired, uh, players, Serge Ibaka, Gasol, Kawhi, Danny Green, that played seven or eight years in the Western Conference. And I think that 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 experience rose right to the top in game three and four. Um, and, but the, you know, the most important part of game three and four was the first five minutes of the third quarter in game four when Kawhi basically came out and drilled the two three-point shots. Uh, it was the first time the Raptors led the whole game. Um, and Golden State, from a strategy standpoint, is really struggling. They, they have no answer for the box and one, which is a high school defense. <laughs> they had Clay, Clay in the low post against Kyle Lowry. He was being very successful. And then in the second half, they would they went away from it. They didn't post him one time. So I'm finding in, that Golden State, once you punch them very hard, uh, the coaching staff does not know how to strategically punch you back with a counter. And, you know, the Raptors are just, they're making all their free throws. Kawhi leads in total points and total rebounds in the championship series. He is a dominant force. I say that out of much respect for him because I believe that Kawhi is is still injured and his ability to mentally lock in and deliver as professional is outstanding. Uh, I don't think we've ever seen anything like this before, at least in a lot, not in the last 25 years. Butch, does Kevin Durant play tomorrow night? No, we won't see Kevin Durant. Um, Naz, you know, historically, when you will not put a player on the bench in the NBA or the or the NFL, that means that their injury is so devastating that they would not be able to get out of the way if someone came that way on the bench and risk further injury. So the fact that they're keeping him in the locker room says to me that his leg injury is so devastating that he would not be able to get out of the way if someone were to run through the bench during the play of action. So I've said this, you know, for the last 10 days, you're not going to see him. Um, the only video we've seen of Kevin Durant is, is barking at Drake after Gene <laughs> in the hallway. So, you know, that's, that's as close as he's going to get to a basketball court, I believe. Uh, we're talking to Butch Carter. Butch, um, I, I won't say that I'm shocked uh, about what's going on in this series, but I, I, I would uh, – I, 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 probably used the term surprised, and I'm not sure whether I should be surprised. I, it seems like the Raptors 
um, you know, as the as the as a playoff series has progressed, they've got they've gotten consistently better, almost game by game by game. And Friday night's performance is even being described in 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 some of the U.S. media as a transcendent Raptors performance. It's just like the. And it seems like in 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 a lot of these games, there's always a different raptor that's stepping up, and it's it's almost I I use the NHL analogy. It's your third in the NHL. It's your third and fourth liners that win you the Stanley Cup. I never thought basketball was like that. I always thought basketball was the stars win it, LeBron wins it, Kevin wins it, uh, Kareem wins it, Russell wins it. But it almost seems like the Raptors are winning it because there's a different, there's a, you know, they're going deep into their bench. It's it's Van Vliet, it's Siakam, it, the, the, uh, Fred, Fred and 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 uh, Ibaka have been sub- superb. Ibaka is playing his best basketball since the trade. He is playing like a a veteran that is that is, has huge playoff experience. Um, um he's blocking shots. He's, he's given the rim protection. He is making open shots. He is rolling um, hard, catching the basketball. Um, he's being very destructive because what has happened is that the corners are filled. In other words, Golden State is guarding the three-point shooter in the corner, so there's very little protection on the 1-5 or 1-4 pick and roll at the top of the key. We've seen Toronto repeatedly run that play. Um, and there was no answer. Not only did the roller, uh, the guy who set the screen when he went to the basket, no one touched him, no one contested the shot. The bench play of Fred Van Fleet is the stabilizer because Fred basically has to come and pick up when Danny Green has not played well. We know that Danny Green has not shot well in this series, especially on, on our home court, and the Raptors have been able to overcome it by the play of, of Fred. Uh, he's been outstanding. Um, and maybe they were right. You know, he was so worried about what was going on with the birth of his, of his son, and it was a, re- a relief to him. And he's been a new new player. He's he's earned the right um, to play in the NBA with with his performance. Um, he could play anywhere there. I guarantee there's ten or twelve teams that take Fred right now. Um, just an outstanding uh, performance by Fred, supported by 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 Serge Ibaka and they're playing, they're playing well. And I think they're playing loose. Um, Golden state has really struggled to score points. Uh, Clay Thompson is shooting outstanding. I think 59% behind the three point line, but they can't get him enough shots. So I think what they're doing, um, it's, it's surprising everyone, you know, you want something for somebody. And again, you know, we want stuff for our kids. And then when they get close to it, you know, we get a little nervous. And so, yeah, they're going to be, they're going to be a lot of people who don't get any sleep tonight. <laughs> and it's got nothing to do with the players. Um, you know, our generation has seen opportunities come and go. This we know is a huge opportunity, unbelievable opportunity. They have seized the moment. They just got to finish off. And, uh, I believe that they will get it done in these three games. Um, our biggest concern is Golden State winning one game, and then you're then we're in a scenario that Cleveland put Golden State in. But I don't. I believe that Golden State is outmanned, and I believe the professionalism that's being shown by Kawhi Leonard 
is is outstanding. But you're you're absolutely right. I, I think the depth on the Toronto Raptor bench, uh, and this is this is going right from the start of the year when they used to roll nine or ten guys, is is outworking the uh, the Golden State. And without Kevin Durant, they're pretty much depending on Clay Thompson and uh, and Curry to do most of the scoring. I've seen even with uh, um, Damon Green there giving up a lot of shots at the top of the key. But what I want to ask you is, why have the referees put the whistle away in the last two games? I've seen. Uh, these two games be a little bit more or even more a lot more physical than I've seen any other games and, th- and there's a lot of non-calls that, that have let uh, that they've let go well you understand that you know when 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 you were skating against you know the defending <laughs> Stanley Cup you know they always got the benefit of the doubt until you beat them you know you, you just couldn't you know you, you gotta go do the extra the great part about the Raptors is they got Kawhi and when you need to do the extra he goes and does it you know, so um, it's 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 they're not going to let Golden State uh, lose their crown easily, and I basically think the Kawhi said, you know, we don't care. I'm taking it from you. You got to remember, some of this is personal with Kawhi. That's the team that he got injured mm-hmm. with, and um, you know, I agree with you. You know, the whistle has changed, but basically, the worst part of, of the Raptor presentation was the first quarter of game four they were double teaming Kyle Lowry and not allowing the ball to come back to him that's an old trick it's called a 41 defense where you take the x1 the defending point guard and and one of your bigs you trap the point guard and then the defending point guard x1 doesn't allow the ball to come back because most coaches aren't used to entering their offense from the second guard position which would be Danny Green which we know Danny Green had him shot a free throw so, you know, he, he's a catch-and-shoot guy. So once they got that kind of worked out, but again, how they get it worked out, Kawhi went and scored 14 points in the quarter, you know, and saved them. So Kawhi scores 14. They take one basket off the board because of uh, it was it was deemed to be shot after the clock had expired. And so, you know, they survived. And they've been really good at surviving. They've been better coming out running plays after timeouts which got him in trouble uh, in game two. So I think it's just a maturation of what's going on. They don't care. And you're absolutely right. When you talk about basketball, when I talk about basketball, it's five offensive players, five defensive players, three officials that you have to overcome, and normally two two coaches, the head coach and the assistant that's got the scout. And I think right now that Toronto's overcome the officials through excellent play and making shots. And I think that when they're in the chessboard, they put the other coaching staff in check, and it's just a matter of mate in moments. Why, why are why are the Golden State Warriors having such a tough time with that one and five box that uh, Jack Armstrong was talking about? Like it's almost like a pick and roll up at yeah, the top but, of the key that they're more or less leaving the whole key wide open, so, and, so and they still haven't adjusted to it. Yeah. So think of the you got the problem is you. The problem is you go through practice, you got five guys defending. So if one guy gets beat, everybody, somebody's close to. Now you start playing a really good team that's making shots. You got Kawhi Leonard in the corner, in the right corner facing the basket, or Danny, and Danny Green in the other corner. And so they can't come off those two because they've been making shots. And they, those guys are what they, you would call the tag guys. In other words, if the roller goes, normally they're supposed to go over and tag and stop him. 
So now you get, you're running an offense where you're basically with three offensive players versus three defensive players, and they're going one five screen. And the other thing they could do if they wanted to change it is go one five and one four, and they're coming off, and they're Golden State's basically confused. They are confused for layups, and that's a pretty poor state. And on top of it, Kerr never called a timeout to get it stopped. So the one time that uh, Stephen Curry was a tag guy, he comes off and leaves Kawhi wide open for a three-pointer. So it's a matter of spacing. It's really the spacing. The spacing has changed because of the effectiveness of the offensive player, which are our three-point shooters in the corner. And that's historically what Golden State has done to people, that you couldn't get them stopped because Steph and Clay were making so many long shots that everyone else were getting layups underneath you. And that's basically, Toronto has basically been able to slow the pace down, lower the effectiveness, especially of Draymond Green and Iguodala. Both of them are shooting extremely poor from the three-point line and the two-point line. So it's really been a role reversal. And I think the U.S. media has said, like, you know, this is what they've seen before in a changing of the guard. Um, and, you know, we hope not to jinx them, but this will be a very sleepless night for a lot of Canadians. And if the Raptors don't win, it's going to be a sleepless <laughs> week because we will have decided by the time you guys have a show next Sunday. Okay. But your assessment of Nick Nurse's performance so far? N- Nick. Nick mm-hmm. is adjusted. He bumped his head, clearly bumped his head and froze in in game two in the third quarter. He allowed an 18-0 run. He called timeouts. He, the, the plays coming out of the timeout, they turned the basketball over or got a poor shot. He didn't have a second play called. Um, I think he, he bumps his head as young coaches do. He's come back with a very effective in game four. He goes boxing one after, after halftime. So the only way they can correct it is to call timeout, and you want coaches to waste their timeouts. So from you know watching him the whole season, I think there were only two bad games that I saw him coach. The first one was when they went to Milwaukee in a regular season. Early in the season, Kawhi wasn't playing. Uh, the second one was they came off a Western trip uh, back home, he played some rinky-dink 2-3 zone. Again, it was against Milwaukee. But in the Milwaukee series, he went to a hard double team on Giannis in the low post on the pass, and it blew Milwaukee's mind. They were not the same. They did not know what the counter was, uh, and he got Milwaukee locked up, which, again, um, when, you come, when you're 0-2 and come back and win four straight, um, we talked about it on the show, it's like less than an 8% chance of historically any team doing that, but the Raptors have done it. And right now, you know, they're writing their own dis- destiny, you know, and when you write your own destiny for a whole country, man, that's a powerful thing. Uh, Butch, we're going to let you go. We've got to get, uh, get to break. Uh, listen, thanks so much. Uh, I know uh, we'll be in touch this week, and uh, uh, hopefully the the Raptors, uh, hopefully we've got our fingers crossed. We don't want to jinx them, but hopefully next Sunday morning we can have a, uh, a post-celebration uh, uh, show, and uh, we're inviting you early to join us for next Sunday's show. Hopefully we'll be celebrating. Butch, thanks yeah. so much. 
Thank you. Take care, guys. Thanks. That's, of course, yep. uh, former Raptors coach Butch Carter. We'll go to break. We'll be right after the break with Leo Routens. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville realised that people may not know how many different kinds of ponzos Pizzaville makes. You can go Italian if you like a sausage. You can go Hawaiian if you like ham and pineapple. And you can go Canadian if you like bacon, beer and hockey. We can build a ponzo that speaks your language. No matter where you are from. Call Pizzaville on your cell phone at pound 3636 or visit pizzaville.ca. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. Steel's Paint in Woodbridge, an enormous 20,000-square-foot superstore that carries nothing but the best. Superior staff, superior advice, superior selection, superior everything. When you have a really tough job to do, they can knock it down to size. They'll show you how to get it done right, and because they only sell the best of everything, you'll get it done to last. That means superior satisfaction. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. The best. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. Are they ever wrong about sports? I can answer that in two words. Impossible. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto in the new AM740 in downtown Toronto, 96.7 FM. On the internet, www.zoomerradio.ca. Um, Raptors, big game tomorrow night. Uh, just to reflect a little bit on uh, the game Friday night, um, there was something remarkable happened after the game. Um, uh, there were like uh, a whole bunch of Canadian fans, Canadian flags, and people didn't want to leave, and thousand people singing Oh Canada. It was really a remarkable, remarkable uh, scene. Um, and you know, it's like Raptors, the Toronto Raptors in a way that a hockey team can't be Canada's team because we've got, how many, we got six or seven NHL franchises seven. in Canada, seven. Uh, so there's, it's very difficult, uh, for a team to be Canada's team, although the Leafs probably come as close as possible. Uh, but certainly, uh, the Raptors are Canada's team. When it comes from uh, from a basketball perspective, and uh, they almost took over the uh, Oracle Arena Friday night, it was really it was really a remarkable scene. Uh, Lou, you know what? Well, it, it it's great to see what's going on right now, especially uh, uh, with the Raptors and across the uh, across the country. What is even better about it? 
These people in the U.S. have no clue on what's on top of them, and I'm talking about what country's on top of them, and now they're getting a real taste that there is someone living on, on top of them. <laughs> of the, what is it, the 46th line? Because if you ask uh, a lot of Americans down... 49th parallel, so, I okay, think. 49th parallel. I, I know, if you my, ask my math of, yeah. may not be as good as it was. I think it's the 49th parallel. If you ask some people down in the lower south, they have no clue what Canada is all about or... They think that we all live in igloos up here, and it's, it's given them a nice I, taste. I, I think that's a stereotype. It, it could be a bit, I mean, but I'm just telling you, it, I, it, I, I don't think they're starting to get to realize that we are someone that's, you know, they have to take viable accounts into. It's just, a thousand, just, a thousand you, people going to, to the game in Oakland. That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, Especially I guess, I mean, Nav, you know, I mean, obviously the most obvious uh, one was Nav Badia, a Raptor super fan. It would be interesting to know how many of those people traveled from Toronto to the game, or they're just uh, what they call expat Canadians, just Canadians who are living yeah, and working. Of living, I mean, there's a lot of Canadians working in si- Silicon Valley, which is which is pretty close to there. Uh, San and, Francisco. And tickets and, aren't cheap there either. <laughs> well, I, I, you know, I'm sure they probably uh, aren't cheap. So um, certainly that was uh, that was uh, it was a remarkable scene, uh, and they're and they're there with Canadian flags, and they're singing "Oh Canada." And you know you've got all the Jurassic parks all over uh, all over uh, all over Canada. Uh, you know the Raptors literally have uh, they've taken over the country, haven't they? Well, it, it uh, again it comes down to that could be the last game that's ever played in Oracle uh, Arena. So that there's an incentive. Well, if they the yeah. point you're making is that they're moving to San Francisco well, next that's, year. That's and, the whole thing. And if the Raptors close it out tomorrow night, that yeah. was that was that, the that last was, game. That was there. the last game, and yeah. it would give them a feeling. Listen, we won Game Four in in a, in a building that's not going to be around anymore. Uh, you look at the remarkable attendance that we get at Seattle baseball games when uh, when the Jays go to Seattle. All the BC uh, people, yeah, all the BC people go down, and, or all Western Canada people. Uh, uh, apparently, down, down in Minnesota, you get a lot of yeah, uh, you get a lot of Canadians as yeah. well. And uh, interesting part: uh, the Green Bay Packers are going to be uh, having a preseason game in Winnipeg this year. So, so there, you know, there's there's cross border traffic there yeah. as well. Yeah. Uh, so certainly, I was. Uh, are you guys at all surprised? Uh, at all surprised? Naz, I'll turn it over to you. Um, you know, we were here. Uh, you know, we we've been chatting Raptors all season long, and and it's. And, and, and I don't want to give the inflection that we're getting ahead of ourselves because, but let, let's just say that they've achieved something. Um, quite frankly, I'm, I'm not so sure I, I would have expected or predicted that they would have achieved win or lose from this point on. And we're certainly hoping for a win. Uh, and we're, we're pretty close, but you know, you got to get game four. We can't forget that. Are you surprised at all, Ness? One of my surprises is the reaction of the fans across Canada. I didn't think it would be that strong, and it's strong. I thought hockey would be dominant, but uh, basketball is really strong, and I'm surprised, really surprised. Lou? Well, you're looking at almost every city now, uh, or big city in, across Canada, and they're having all their small little mini Jurassic parks, and we're talking, we're not talking five or 6,000 people. We're talking in excess of fifteen to 20,000 people or more. You look at what we're having up in Mississauga and Brampton now, you know, you might as well fill, if you would have filled, if they would have played that game in the, at the Rogers Center, I bet you they would have filled. No, no question. You know, they, they could have 60 or 70,000 no people in there. Absolutely. Right? So it's just amazing how how the Raptors have more or less have turned into Canada's team and the other teams right now, especially with hockey, they have to take a little bit of a backseat to it and uh, jump on the ride and enjoy it. 
Yeah, well, you know, it's, it's it, we haven't focused. Doesn't seem, you know, the Raptors have been such a big part of the Toronto story, uh, Toronto media stories in the last two, three, four weeks, especially since the Leafs um, lost out to the to the Bruins. Um, almost, we almost forget that we're in the middle of the Stanley Cup Finals. We, we we're uh, we're in the middle of the, in the middle of the Stanley Cup Finals. In fact, tonight the Stanley Cup could be awarded, and it could be awarded in St. Louis, which brings us to our uh, brings us to our next guest. Uh, and there's a remarkable story uh, that's transpired with the St. Louis Blues. Naz, I remember being in studio with you here in early in early January, mm-hmm. and we were speculating about whether Alex Petrangelo was was going to become a Toronto Maple Leaf. We actually had that discussion on a show. And looking back on it now, and I'm I'm thinking to myself, how silly were we? I mean, we're we're talking, they were legitimately talking about Alex Petrangelo coming to Toronto. They were going to break up the St. Louis Blues. They were dead last, Wally. They were dead last. And then they brought up this kid, this kid, this Toronto kid, from uh, Richmond Hill, played with the Vaughn Rangers, played with the Vaughn Kings, uh, and th- that's a good segue into introducing our next guest. Uh, we're, we're thrilled to have with us this morning a gentleman by the name of Michael Valascuro, who uh, who coached Jordan Binnington from the age of eight to the age of fifteen. Uh, Michael was uh, interviewed in NHL.com. Michael Valascura, our next guest, was interviewed in NHL.com this week by, uh, by, by Mike Zeisberger and asked his thoughts about Jordan Binnington. And I thought it would be appropriate, uh, also given the fact that Michael's a good friend of ours, uh, I thought it would be appropriate that we talk to Michael Valascura this morning about Jordan Binnington. Michael, good morning. How are you this morning? Good morning, guys. Thanks for having me on. It's my pleasure. You've become a celebrity in the in the hockey world uh, over the course of the last few days. You got your own uh, sort of story in NHL dot com, but the story the story is Jordan Bennington uh, uh, with all uh, uh, Mike and you. Uh, you had the privilege of coaching Jordan from uh, the age of eight to the age of 15 Vaughn Rangers also happens to be an organization that I spent some time with, uh, with my son in, in, uh, a few years ago, uh, coaching in, in that organization. You also coached with the Vaughn Kings and you had Jordan as your goalie, but, uh, tell us, uh, there's an interesting story about the first time you ever saw Jordan Bennington and how he got on your team. Tell us that story. Yes, uh, I was eight years old. Uh, I was coaching uh, Vaughn Rangers, and uh, we were approaching uh, tryouts, and we needed a goalie. So, you know, you put the word out, and uh, a gentleman uh, called me and said that uh, he was playing on a three-on-three team, his son, and the goalie never showed up. So they needed a goalie, and one of the uh, forwards decided, I want to go in net. So he went in net, and this guy called me. And he said, uh, hey, Mike, you want to take a look at this kid? I know you're looking for a goalie. He gave me his number. Uh, I talked to the father, John, and I told him, we're looking for a goalie. Um, I understand your son uh, played a net in the three-on-three league, and uh, he looked pretty good. He goes, and the father was really reluctant to uh, let him play net. So he wanted him first to learn how to, pl- how to skate. But he brought him to the tryouts. He brought him to the tryouts, and there was a, a bunch of goalies there. But uh, he kind of stood out from the rest of them. 
And uh, the interesting thing is uh, we were coming in, warming up the goalies, and he took one right off the mask. And he didn't even flinch. So uh, I went to the father, and I think uh, I go, I think he's good to go. <laughs> uh, and the father decided, okay, we'll go for it. And uh, you know what? The rest is history. Mike, are you surprised he's made the NHL since you coached him those years? Did he have it in, in him? Uh, you know what? Jordan, when he was around 12 years old, 13, he, he was special. He, he was probably the top goalie in the age group, right? And, uh, you know, but once they reach pro, who knows what's going to happen? You have to be in the right situation, uh, right timing, right coach, right team. And it, it just took him, he took the longer route. Right. And he found the right situation and he took advantage of his opportunity. He, he got one opportunity and he's running with it. Mike, does he, this is a uh, Lou Franceschetti. Yeah. Uh, does he re- still remember you? And are you going to get a, <laughs> are you going to get one day or a couple hours with the Stanley Cup once with, uh, if and when uh, they win the, there's still, uh, there's still one game to go. Yeah. We text after every series. Uh, I'll text him and I followed him right to junior. It's ironic uh, when he got drafted by Owen Sound. Uh, there were similarities to the story that's happening now. It was in his second year in Owen Sound, and uh, their number one goalie got hurt going into the playoffs. Uh, and then uh, they went to Jordan, and he was just a second-year goalie. And uh, he ended up winning the OHL championship. The same thing, took advantage of the opportunity. And he made the most of it. And, uh, yeah, we're good friends with his, uh, his mom and, uh, and his dad, his stepmom and his, uh, dad, John, who became very good friends. And, you know, uh, I kind of, uh, leave him alone, you know, <laughs> you went, I'll definitely be in contact with him. Are, are you still here? You're not in St. Louis right now? <laughs> no, you know what? That's ironic. You asked that Wally, uh, yesterday, one of our parents that was on that team for the eight years, uh, he called me and he said, would you like to, you want to go down? And I said, nah, I don't want to bug Jordan. And, you know, he's got a lot on his plate. Uh, who He needs to find his tickets. Uh, we'll leave him well enough uh, alone. Anyways, uh, we're talking to Mike Valascura, and we're talking about the uh, the Jordan Binnington story. Uh, the Stanley Cup could very well be awarded tonight in uh, in uh, St. Louis. Uh, and uh, it's remarkable. Uh, the, the Jordan Binnington came up in the middle of the year and turned the St. Louis Blues around. And uh, I've got a personal, uh, you know, aside from the fact that everybody on this show sort of hates the Bruins, uh, <laughs> we want to see the, blue, the Blues win. Uh, I, I'd love to see I'd love to see St. Louis win uh, Jordan Bennington. Uh, I know he's a Richmond Hill boy. Uh, if he brings the cup, uh, I hope he brings it back to his hometown of Richmond Hill because I live in Richmond Hill. So I may be the first time the cup's ever come to Richmond Hill. So uh, so if if the Blues win tonight, Mike, I'm going to expect you to arrange an introduction between me and Jordan in the Stanley Cup in Richmond Hill somewhere. So uh, I look forward to that event. I wanted to go back to uh, to Jordan. Uh, you obviously identified something with him uh, right in the beginning. Uh, and goalies... Um, you know anybody who's played hockey they they sort of they sort of some of them exist within their own little i don't know if to use the word cocoons if i say that i would say that in a positive sense rather than but goalies have uh, always they got their little corners in the dressing room and they, they they sort of look at the game a little bit differently um describe jordan in terms of uh, i think you were quoted as saying nothing phases him and he's incredibly good at controlling his emotions. Is is uh, is that what makes him a good goalie? Or yeah, a great sure. goalie. Let's let me rephrase that. 
Uh, Jordan always, um, you know, he was always calm and he never really stuck to himself. Uh, you know what? He was part of the team. He, he used to keep the boys loose in the change room. Uh, he, he was, uh, he was really quick witted with his one answer, uh, one word answers. Uh, you know, but when it was uh, time to go on the ice, he was, he was all business. And, uh, he, he did all the hockey schools, the, the goalie camps. I don't think in all those eight years, I don't think Jordan ever missed a practice or a game. Uh, there wasn't a more dedicated, uh, kid that I had than that, uh, than Jordan. And he, uh, you know what? And all the kids loved him. All his teammates love him. And I bet you in St. Louis, it's the same way for him. Whether he makes 10 saves or 50 saves, it doesn't matter to him. You know what? As long as the team wins, that's all that Jordan's ever cared about. Mike, what, what happened then uh, against this in the uh, San Jose series when he decided to break a stick over the glass? And, wow. and the video flicks that I've seen with uh, with him meeting the other goalies at Sunrise and dropping them with him. Is that part of his DNA too? He's, He's always had that in him. He's always <laughs> had that inner. That's the competitive uh, in him. And... Uh, He's learned to control it. Uh, when he was a lot younger, you would see a lot more. But now you could see he, he tries to control it. But uh, that's that fire that he has inside him, right? That uh, people look at the outside and they see all this calm and all that. But uh, trust me, Jordan is very, very, very competitive. Uh, Mike, um, from a technical point of view, let, you know, and the, the Jordan Bennington story is an interesting one. Um, it, it's it's It's... In every generation, it almost seems like this remind, sort of reminds me of the Ken Dryden story. You know, you got rookies coming in out of nowhere and winning Stanley Cups, and I'm just crossing my fingers when I do that. Um, I'm not trying to jinx uh, the St. Louis Blues by any means. Um, from a technical point of view, what makes him a great goalie? Uh, he reads the game. If you see him, right, he, the way he uses his stick, He's got a bit of everything. He's got technical aspects, uh, but he reads the game very well. Uh, you know, he's got a little bit of old fashioned. He uses the poke check. If you notice, he, he does that a lot. Uh, and uh, he, I think his biggest attribute is uh, that he reads the game very well. He knows, he seems to know where the puck's going to go and where the shots are going to come from. And he's always had that. You know what? He always, every time in practice, uh, I say, Jordan, we're warming up and need you in net because he was always fooling around with the puck. Right. And if you see, he's very good with it. Right. And that and uh, I think that's his biggest attribute. It's how he reads the game. But a lot of people tend to forget eh? he was on the world, uh, the world junior team too, uh, the world junior team for Canada, too. You know, like Jordan, Jordan was uh, everybody knew of him. Right. It just he just did it the long way. That's all. Mike, you're, you're a triple A coach. Uh, a question. Uh, have you ever how did you feel as a coach coaching a kid like that ah you know what this makes everybody proud uh, you, you know what because you've seen him since he was eight years old and you've seen the work that he put in and uh, the, the struggles and uh, the highs the lows and uh, you know what when you've seen him as just a little kid uh, in net having fun with his teammates and uh, it, it's it's very surreal it, it, it's a great story uh, even one of your callers that calls in all the time, the general, he was on my coaching staff. He knows Jordan really well too. <laughs> Got to yeah. get a plug in for the general. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was on. He was on our staff at Minor Batam. I brought him on board and that, and he got to know Jordan a, a, a bit too. And 
so uh, we're kidding around with him because he's a big Bruin fan. Yeah. So, uh, oh, that's right. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, talking about Jordan and, and, and his struggles, there's a really interesting article, uh, in, Tor- in today's Toronto Sun by a friend of the show, Michael Trakos. He did a full page spread on Jordan Binnington and the point that Michael was making was, uh, you know, Talent can only take you so far. And Jordan, a couple of years back, committed himself to working with Matt Nickel, who, uh, former uh, conditioning coach for the Leafs, who runs, uh, is a part of a biosteel conditioning camp. A lot of NHLers, uh, young NHLers have taken advantage of Mike Nickel's expertise. And Jordan, a couple of years back, went down there and, uh, you know, had to work hard, had to take care of his body, had to be careful what he was eating and all of that. And, uh, made that commitment and uh, it shows you uh hard work talent takes you a certain part Lou and I'd like you to comment on this talent takes you so far but then then heart and drive and passion and commitment uh you need that don't you Lou you really do and it's everything's on the surface sometimes when you see a player go on the ice and he's got all these moves he's a great skater but what really separates him from from being a superstar is what's inside. If you haven't got the drive, if you haven't got the will to, and the what I find is the discipline is more than anything because I've had friends that come up to me and tell me that they were as good as me and were better than me. And I said, I understand, but they always told me that I had the discipline to put friends and the outside people aside and have a focal point of getting, of making it, to where you want to go. And, and friends have told me, he says, listen, you just left me alone. Um, I didn't know who you were because I was, I wanted a focus. I wanted to make the National Hockey League when I was a young kid. Well, not a young kid, but I was 18, 19 years old. And I put all the other distractions aside. If you haven't got the discipline to do that, you might have some few, a few guys that might lead you astray. And if you don't take care of your body, if you don't take care of your sleeping habits, and if you don't take care of your diet, you're not going to go anywhere. It doesn't really matter how good you are. And there's a few hockey players out there that have more or less let themselves go because of that. Anyways, uh, we'll leave it at that. Mike, uh, we've been chatting with Mike Valascuro, uh, coach of Jordan Bennington from the age of 8 to 15 in the Vaughn Rangers and the Vaughn Kings organization. Mike, I want to thank you so much, and I know uh, you're going to be glued to your TV set tonight. And let's bring the cup to Richmond Hill, please. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Mike Valascuro. Uh, we're going to go to break, and I understand we may have an opportunity to speak to Leo Routens when we come back from break. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville announced their loyalty program, but some listeners thought I was saying royalty program. <coughs> to be clear, Pizzaville cannot get you into the royal family. Stop that. However... After your sixth online order, you'll get a large pizza of your choice free with your seventh order. And that'll make you feel like a king or queen. Oh, boy. Find out more at pizzaville.ca. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too. But the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics. On time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. At 20,000 square feet, Steel's Paint and Woodbridge is Canada's largest independent paint store. Big deal, right? Big deal? Yes. 
the best brands, the best staff, the best advice, the best of everything. From color matching to brand selection, whether you're a pro or a DIYer, we'll look after you from the minute you walk in to the minute you walk in a second time as a completely satisfied customer. Big store, big deal, bigger satisfaction. Simple. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. They never argue sports. They just explain while they're always correct. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. I'm your host, Walter Rigavon. As usual with me in studio, my co-host, Naz Marchese. Also joining us today, Lou Franceschetti. And we're pleased to be chatting right now with us on the line, Raptors analyst, Leo Routens. Good morning, Leo. How are you this morning? I'm great. How are how's everybody over there today? We're we're excited, Leo. I got to tell you, and we want to thank you right off the bat. I know you're back and forth across the continent. Uh, uh, you're, you're probably fairly jet lagged, uh, so uh, we certainly appreciate you taking the time for us this morning. And uh, we'll get right to it, Leo. Uh, uh, are you excited? Let, let me just from a, just from a personal point of view. Uh, you are, you've been an integral part of Canadian basketball almost your entire life. You're what they call a, a Raptors day oneer. Uh, just tell us from a personal point of view, Leo, how excited are you? Uh, honestly, it's, uh, it's kind of beyond words. Uh, you know, to be able to, this is something you dream about, you know, as a player, uh, as a broadcaster, as a coach, uh, as a fan. Uh, to be able to be in this situation where you're you're actually a part of it, um, you know, to be able to, you know, one thing that you know a lot of fans don't realize uh, in in the NBA, all the broadcasters in the NBA after the first round they're done. Uh, they they no longer can broadcast with their teams uh, because and uh, all the network broadcasts pick up, so ESPN and TNT carry it all the way to the finals, and then the finals ABC picks it up in the U.S. So, uh, because we're another country, uh, it was negotiated that uh, the Canadian broadcast we can continue all the way through to the finals, which is phenomenal, and we're the envy of all the other teams. So, uh, it's uh, it's a thrill as a basketball player who grew up in this country. It's a thrill as a uh, a part of this to be able to broadcast all the way, and it's uh, it doesn't get any more exciting than this, and to be. One game away from a potential championship is just mind-boggling. Leo, we're glad you're still around. What happened with that ceiling uh, fixture coming down or the light? <laughs> it, it was just a weird thing. I was sitting there, and all of a sudden I felt like something <laughs> grazed my shoulder and then a big thud. And, I, I had, you know, the game's going on. So, you know, you, people bump you and all kinds of things happen. So I didn't really pay much attention. Next thing you know, this guy knocks my headsets off from behind. <laughs> go, what the heck is going on? Uh, and, and, and I look at the lady next to me and she's got this shocked look at her face. And then I look down and this big, huge bulb is on the floor between us and it came down from the ceiling. Uh, and it's just uh, kind of a crazy thing. Obviously, you know, fortunate they didn't, uh, put it this way, it came down all the way from the ceiling and it did not break on the floor. 
Oh uh, that's a hard, uh, wow. whatever this thing was made out of. So I don't think my skull had a chance if it would have hit. <laughs> Leo, you were in uh, Oracle Arena Friday night, and there's Jurassic Parks all over Canada. Uh, and it's really the most remarkable thing. It's just like there's this pent up, there's this pent up desire amongst Torontonians, amongst Canadians to to celebrate, uh, and hopefully, and I don't, you know, we're we're doing our best this morning, trying not to jinx the Raptors. We 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 know that there's still a lot of work to be done. The Golden State Warriors are great champions. Uh, we all know they ain't they ain't going down without a fight, and this this series ain't over until the last whistle. And so uh, so we certainly don't want to get ahead of ourselves. Uh, but the Jurassic Parks have sprouted across the country. But there was a there's a Jurassic Park inside Oracle Arena, which was truly remarkable. And it just, I want to get your, uh, your observations. You were there, uh, of what, of what happened and, and, uh, your description of and how it felt to hear, you know, a whole bunch of Raptor fans, thousand hanging around after the game, singing our national anthem and proudly displaying our flag. Yeah, it was incredible. I'll tell you what, I've been around this NBA, you know, pretty much my whole adult life, and uh, I've never seen anything like it. And talking to a lot of other people, they've, they've never seen it either. Uh, it, it's almost more, you know, and everybody's been talking about it, that, that Canada or Toronto has this more of an NCAA mentality. Uh, you know, our fans travel well. You know, they're outside at the arena. They're, uh, they're at the arenas uh, at different places. And it was incredible because you don't necessarily realize it during the game because fans are dispersed all over the place. I mean, you do see Raptor jerseys and people uh, outside. They were putting up a, a pretty good, uh, pretty good uh, bit of noise outside. But then after the game, as soon as the game was over, the, the you know several thousand of them came down uh, by the court. Uh, near where the Raptors bench was, and they were just all uh, just singing and doing the old Canada and having a great time. And, and, and you know what? I said it on the air. I give credit to the security at Oracle. Um, you know, they get people out of the games pretty fast uh, to clear the arena, and they let the fans do it. They let them all get together. They let them have their time, maybe a good 15, 20 minutes. They let them sing, cheer, and everything. Then they, then they, you know, really politely said, "Okay, guys, it's time to go." And then the fans uh, were very cordial and and kind of broke apart and left. But I've never seen anything like it in uh, in an NBA arena. Now we're talking to Leo Routens, Raptors analyst. Leo, why are uh, your estimation from a basketball perspective? Why are the why? What do you see? What are the Raptors doing to dominate this series so far? Well, I said going in, uh, Golden State has not faced an elite defensive team like the Toronto Raptors uh, in these playoffs. Uh, they've shown in, in – and then the Raptors had the most difficult path to the finals. Uh, you know, they beat a very good, a very hot Orlando team. Uh, obviously, the Philadelphia 76ers, everybody said that's the best starting lineup in the NBA. Uh, the Milwaukee Bucks had the best record in the NBA. And the Raptors went through everybody. And it was because of their defense. So I was pretty confident uh, that, uh, you know, in in this matchup with Golden State, that they could win the series simply because their defense is good enough and their offense certainly is there. I mean, you have a lot of weapons at the offensive end, and you arguably have uh, the best player in the game today in Kawhi Leonard. So 
you put it all together, I thought the Raptors had a really good chance, and now they're showing it. Uh, we've been talking to Leo, uh, Leo Routens. Leo, um, we're bumping up against, you know what live radio's like. Uh, deadlines come pretty quick, and uh, we just want to take the opportunity. Obviously, you've had an incredibly busy week. Uh, you're back and forth across the continent, and for you to come on and share your thoughts with us, and uh, uh, it's uh, immeasurably appreciated. Thanks so much, Leo. Well, I always make time for friends, so I appreciate it. And uh, sorry I couldn't get on earlier, no. but uh, it's always a blast. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm hopeful we're all going to be able to celebrate a, uh, a Raptors victory. Tomorrow night would be great at some point in the week, and uh, would love to be able to celebrate next Sunday morning. I uh, got our fingers crossed. Thanks so much, Leo. All right. Have a great day. Thanks so much, Leo Routens. Uh, uh, I wanted to uh, uh, squeeze out a couple of minutes to talk about a topic that uh, you got vehement about before we went on the air, uh, Lou. Uh, we've got uh, about three minutes left. Um, you've got a uh, pickle with the NFL, NHL officials, uh, specifically the Bozak incident that you use the terminology cost the Bruins the game the other night. I'll give you this opportunity to get it off your chest. Go ahead. Well, it, it's not. Being a professional athlete, you hate and you, we work so hard to. Get- and just so that, you know, just to, to I should have indicated in that. In, go, go back and just explain what happened. Uh, Tyler Bozak took out somebody's legs. He slew, he slew footed uh, Akari, uh, and which led to a goal. Which, which like led to a goal. Ten seconds, which later. more or less changed the whole complex of the game. You're down one nothing instead of you're down two nothing instead of one nothing. Uh, the Bruins could have gone on the power play. They could have scored a goal. We don't know what 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 the whole scenario would have happened if he did the, if we if he did get called. But what as a professional athlete, we work so hard to get to the pinnacle of the Stanley Cup playoffs or the NBA championships or Major League Baseball and winning the World Series, that we don't like to see the referee dictate what the outcome of a game is. And what I'm finding right now is... He made a ref- bad call. He, he made why, a bad call. Why, why, why he, do you he, say he dictated the outcome of okay, the game? Okay, bad choice of words. Okay. 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 Sorry, I, I don't want to split hairs no, with you. I, but... You're a lawyer. I'm, <laughs> I'm just a, a, a schmuck. But no, anyways, you're, you it, know it, what? It, yeah. No, you know what you are? You're, uh, you played in the NHL, and I didn't, and you constantly remind me about that. So no, you it, have the upper hand. Go but ahead. I also, they also <laughs> in the Ball Hockey Hall of Fame, and you played that too. <laughs> but you never played. You know what, Lou? You never played against me. I, I would have. I would I, I, defense was my forte. You wouldn't. You wouldn't. Have, you wouldn't able to be able to slip me. You want to get to that topic? You wouldn't have been able to slip me, buddy. I would. Have, I would have held you in check. I know you would. You would have your side. I was right? the Bob Gainey of the of the Boggy yeah. crew. Believe uh, me. Go unfortunately, ahead. you don't know what I was all about either. Yeah, so, yeah, but anyways, we don't like to see a referee make a call, and, and, and not to to dictate the outcome of a game, but to to more or less turn things around and it's just you know we look at the and these are blatant calls these aren't calls that are 50 50 this is call was right in front of them uh there was a call at the, the end of the first period which if it wasn't for Krejci they would have been down two nothing there uh there was a uh, the hand pass that happened in the San Jose game uh the, the Pavelski call is 50 50 call which you know at Vegas well, you, you can't that wasn't it. a fifty-fifty no, call. That okay. was blatantly not a five-minute major. Okay, okay. But again, you don't let a team score four power play goals See, and change that, the whole. That call cost Vegas the game, right? Yeah. Uh, so for us, it's really hard because we work our our tails off to get to that point, and we let a guy right in front of you but, make a call. But let me ask this question, Luke. 
Uh, and I only interrupt because we're really short on time, and I do want your reaction to this. As an NHL hockey player, as a professional athlete, you have to be prepared. You have to be prepared for officials' decisions that don't go your way. That's part of preparation. That's part of mental toughness. You deal with it. You move on. You win the game. You're, you're right. Why do you focus? Why you know Cam Neely's throwing? He's, he's throwing a conniption up there. As a professional athlete, you have to deal with it. The game. It wasn't the last minute of the game. There was, the, you know, and there was a, a whole half a game left. Half they, a game they, left. Wally, they no, you're, a goal oh, Wally, play, yeah. Unless you're in that spot, we have to, as as players, we we have to put that aside. And Craig Berube did a great job after game three in the San Jose guys. We don't want to talk about it. It's over and done with. They won the game. We just move on to the next. If you're if you're mentally strong, you can actually do that. You you can put that thing aside. Guys, let's not talk about the call. We're going on to game six. We got to play it in St. Louis. Boston's a great road team. St. Louis is not a very good home team. Uh, and let, let's, let the cards play out. And anyways, the, the faster and the longer, the shorter go, you Luke. can put that aside, the, the better, better off you're going to be. Got to go. Uh, unfortunately, it's, we're past our deadline. Uh, go Blues. Uh, and more importantly than anything, Go Raptors. We Ad, Adam Hadwin, Canadian. And Hadwin, we have even a chance to talk to my passion, golf. Anyways, there may be a Canadian that wins the Canadian Open today. That would be incredible. To all our listeners, it's been another great week. Enjoy your week. Be safe. We'll be back here again next Sunday morning. Thank you. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.